Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, dear listener. This is Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. I'm Caroline Foran, and this week I'm talking about financial anxiety, something with which a huge amount of us are very familiar What makes this a little bit different, however, is that you're not hearing from a financial whiz kid expert type who has turned a tenner into 10 million quid. You are hearing from someone who has found themselves in significant debt, suffering with severe anxiety and mental health in relation to their financial worries and how they got themselves out of that hole. Turns out it is about a lot more than just the money. Santis O'Garo is the best-selling author of The Money Mentor. She kindly shares here her story with me, along with some really practical, no bullshit advice for those of us grappling with financial anxiety. We talk also about what's known as financial dysmorphia, which is when you obsess about money or panic about your financial security, even when you are not in any financial difficulty. Santis is also known on Instagram as the Caribbean Dub, and this is a conversation that you won't want to miss. Santis, thank you so much for joining me on Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. Um, I'm delighted to have you here. I think financial anxiety is something everyone has felt at some point or another. Um, you're going to share lots of tips. And what I really like is, is that a lot of this, like, like myself, you're coming from your own experience. Um, you're not coming at it as, you know, I'm the expert and I know everything. You know, you've had to figure this out on your own. Uh, so to start with, I'd love to just for you to tell listeners your your story, how you end up ended up becoming the money mentor. <laughs> um, it started in 2018. Well, it started for my whole life. I really think that life is a journey and it's been building up to this moment. I think all the lessons and all the mistakes that you you've made throughout your life are learning lessons. But into a head in 2018 where I was severely in debt um I was having a whole lifestyle upheaval where I was now a single parent I had two young babies and I was kind of adapting to motherhood and adapting to the fact that I have no money in the bank and realizing that I've made so many mistakes to get me there and feeling a level of 
I'd say a lack of self-worth when it came to my motherhood journey and the the fact that I felt almost unable to protect my kids and knowing that I was the one that got them there. Mm -hmm. So I got myself in a load of debt. It hasn't been the highest amount of debt. When I added it up towards the end of that year, it was 15 grand. I've been in a lot worse, but I've had a lot more income as well throughout my life. It was just so many different variables that were going on at that particular moment that I just felt a pain in my chest for the whole, I'd say for the whole of that year, I just had this constant pain in my chest. I thought it was heart attacks. I used to call them having a mini heart attack because it heightened. And I used to work in the bookies and I remember like I'd be at the tail and someone would just ask me a question and my chest would tighten and I just break into tears. I just wanted to cry all the time. It was just that constant worry and never having the opportunity to be present because I was constantly worried about bills and money coming out and who was going to mind the kids so I can come into work. And, you know, there was so many bits and pieces that you were trying to juggle that if you got one step, if anybody spoke about money, if anybody, if there was a due coming up or there was a christening coming up, I would have been um, falling apart. And I did fall apart towards the end of 2018. I had a breakdown. Um, and I, what I needed was a little bit of clarity and a, and a moment to step back. And I, you know, when you're busy like that, you don't get that. Mm-hmm. And that was what was coming to a head. And that's what unfortunately came to a head. And how did that, what did that look like for you to fall apart? Um, it looked like suicidal thoughts, um, attempted suicide. It looked like it wasn't pretty. Um, unworthiness like really just feeling that I was a burden I made such a mess and if I wasn't here um it would be easier probably everybody would have it figured out better than me because I sure couldn't you know um that was what it was that that's what it looked like and my my friend's like one of my really close friends, um, she spotted it, thank God. Um, she spotted spotted what, what was going on and begged me to go to the doctors, just, you know. And my doctor just said, you're, it's like a level of overwhelm that you're going through right now, stress-induced um, anxiety. You're just, you can't keep going like that. Mm-hmm. Um and I, 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 I'm somebody who I love a bit of pressure. Do you know, I love trying to figure things out. But when you're constantly like hitting yourself, hitting against the wall, you can't figure it out. Nothing. There's no month going to be easier. It just doesn't feel like any, there's no leeway. Every time you think you got a breeding room, you got breeding space. There was none, you know. Most of the chats that I have about anxiety you know, so much of the time it's to do with mindset and and where you're at mentally, but it didn't matter. It sounds like it didn't matter if you just, you know, went in and had a good session with the therapist. Like there was very 
practical, tangible changes, things that had to happen. You couldn't think your way out of this. No, I couldn't. And and what was happening was I was overthinking my way into it. Did you feel at the time that if you had, if you were able to solve your financial problems, you would solve all of the anxiety? Yeah, I thought that would just, that would fix everything. But the more that I looked into every, like the more, this is later on in my journey. And this is now, you know, up to the point of writing the book and really like doing a lot of healing. I've realized that like, I've always been an anxious child somewhat. I've always been an emotional child. It's not something that I could just say, it's just financial anxiety, although it really was. Um, like it really, really was, but it was a financial anxiety. It's a real thing. Um, just because it was a result of the behaviors that got me where I was. And unless I did the work to learn all the steps and, and changing my habits and, and my, and and learning those behaviors, I was going to constantly, I was going to constantly lean into all those bad behaviors because, I'm an emotional spender. So even though my world is cracking, is falling apart, I would still in my mind think I need, how do I get a little bit of respite? How do I get out of this a little bit? Oh, I'll just buy something. I'll buy something for the kids and at least they look well. So I could plaster and mask that. And that was really what was happening. Um, So it was, it was a lot of external. I, I couldn't do a lot in my head unless I fixed the fine the finances outside so you had to start with the finances yeah what was the first step what what was the turning point obviously getting to that that rock bottom and your friend um thankfully identifying it and reaching out where did you have to start I had to start by just coming clean to my family um, and just telling them like I'm really really struggling and that was really hard I'm a black woman and um, wrongly or rightly we're raised to think that you know you're strong you don't show a lot of weakness you don't have mental health you know this 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 it's 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 only a new thing in the black community and some in some parts in the Irish community as well but it's relatively new like you know um I know if I went home to the Caribbean, it's not a big, it's not a big scene there, you know, and you're either crazy or you're not. And that's, that's the way we still think it, Um, which is something that I'm really passionate about changing because it's, it's, it doesn't end well. Um, So I started with, I went to my job. I told them, look, I need to step back a little bit. Um, I had a lovely boss that was just beautiful. And I think that goes a long way on how you can manage staff and get the best out of staff. Because even whatever I'm doing now, if she calls me, I'd always be there for her. I think that goes goes a long way. And she was just so engaged and so empathetic and allowed me to just open up because it was really hard for me to do. And just to say, I'm struggling right now. I, I can't see, I, I'm str- I, I don't need extra pressure in any way. I can't cope with it. And she didn't, she backed off a hundred percent and was supportive. And not that she was ever putting her feet on my neck, you know, her knee wasn't on my neck in, in any sense, God forbid, but 
Um, she she was really good. She was really helpful, and she just said, "I got, I have you. Like I have you, hundred um, percent." Gave me advice, you know, really normalized that the fact that my mental health was being affected, and that's okay. We're gonna fix this. I have you in work, and I felt a sense of security. And just a sense of calmness when I was walking into work then, you know, and even to ring in sick, I wouldn't have been a person, even with two kids as a single mom struggling, I wouldn't have been ringing in sick, you know. How did you get to a point of, I mean, you say culturally it was kind of a mental health doesn't exist um, at home for you. And it sounds like the one before you even get to the logistics of okay, how do I start to pay, clear this debt? How do I get my ducks in a row? You have to reach a point of like forgiving yourself for the fact that you are where you are, and yeah. accepting that and confronting that, and that's really that's really really hard to do. And I think with with financial anxiety, if we keep it on that theme, I guess a lot of the time people can just focus on the maths and the numbers and. But behind whether it's whether it's financial difficulties or whether it's something like addiction or any other way that there's there's something always at the root of it that you have to kind of address first and go through first. Did you start with that emotional work? I didn't. That came at the end. I didn't even understand that my behavior was a result of something else. It was masking something else. I did. When I started, I did focus on the numbers. I did try to understand. And I'll tell you now, I would be so hard on myself. So it was the opposite way around. I was really angry at myself. How did you get here? Like, why did you do, you know, you bought so much crap that you're now trying to get rid of, you know? How would you describe it? Like excessive spending, frivolous spending? Was it just to do with spending? Excessive spending. Um looking for instant gratification through me spend and looking for a hug through my spending. That's a, that's a nice way of putting it Um, and comfort and to be seen validated. Um, And when I couldn't just spend, I got loans to spend. And then I loved the process of the loans, the endorphins, that rush that you get, you know, I loved every part of it, money hitting my bank and I don't have to worry about it for now. And it'll solve, Whatever I need, I'll get that. And I don't think about anything after that. And I just got really annoyed at myself at the start, to be honest, because I was like, none of this makes me happy. I'm still not happy. And and I don't understand why. I'm starting to pay my debt. I've written everything out. I know what I owe. I know who I have to pay back. I'm going to start this. I'm going to do this. I have a little bit of clarity around it. But I don't understand how I got here. And as I I started paying back my debt, I, I started looking at different communities. And I guess that's where a big change happened. My environment really started. If I wasn't getting it in the house or I wasn't getting it around my, my tight knit, you know, my friends weren't thinking like that. I was asking, I was listening, I was listening to your podcast, um, especially through lockdown. Um listening to you know any any podcast or Mel Robbins or anybody that was basically telling me things and opening my mind I was tapping into it I needed to know 
I needed to, even when you're speaking about um, addiction, I was listening to people that have gone through addiction because I was realizing I actually had to spend an addiction. Yeah. Um, I didn't, you know, like, I'm, it was like things that were just calling me. And then I joined the Death Free Community, which is a group of people who are trying to clear debts and they're in the same mindset. And by just opening up and talking about money and talking about how I see money and I view money, I started to understand, Jesus, you know, this was covering a lot of things. Yeah. So if someone came along and said, right, here's 15 grand, I've cleared your debt. That was only going to kick the can down the road for you. It wouldn't have fixed it. It wouldn't have fixed it. I would have still, if you, if you came to 2019 and said, here you go, um, I'll help you. That wouldn't have fixed it for me. I would have probably be worse off now than I was then because I wasn't really learning anything. I wasn't understanding anything. And I think it's okay to say, okay, I'm just going to pay my debt and I'm just going to manage my money. But you really need to understand the root of it all. Yeah. And I realized that all the big events, sad, happy, there was a big spend with that. A breakup was a spend. A makeup, a job promotion was a big a holiday. Yeah, whether you're celebrating or commiserating, you can always yeah. justify spending. Yeah, I, I really aligned my spending with, you know, the big emotional moments in my life and a lot of it when I when I really peeled it back a lot of it came back from transitioning you know from this lack of self-worth that I've had throughout my childhood and and for many different reasons and then it, it heightened when I moved to Ireland I was 10 years old I was trying to navigate myself in a whole new world a whole new culture and you know I, I make reference to my first pair of Nike Air Max because it starts with that. It starts with wanting to be part of the crowd, wanting to be part of the clique, but it never ends. It start, it, it ends then with a house. You're buying a house for the wrong reasons. How do you come yeah. like existing on social media where there's triggers left, right and center? Like I've had these conversations when it comes to things like fast fashion, but uh, like it's near impossible, the psychology of it, the way we are. Um, the way we believe short term that we will get this hit of gratification, that it will solve a problem for us, that we like we even though we know logically this will wear off after 48 hours or whatever. It's so hard. Like, do you have to have serious blinkers on now for that? I do have serious blinkers. And sometimes, like, I'm going to be honest, sometimes I fall into the pattern and go, oh, Lord, I need that. But like, it's not as clear cut as saying, right, I will never have a drink of alcohol again. You no. will need to spend money. Like you'll need to go and buy clothes. You'll need to spend, but you have to, you have to find out what your values are. And, you know, I've been explaining um, no spend days, which is a method that I use where it doesn't matter if I'm on social media or I've seen 90 ads. Today, I'm not spending money. So I cannot, I'm almost giving myself that 48 hour window, yeah. you know, or the 24 hour window of saying I'm not spending money and sometimes I will say okay I'll go as far as going into the shop loading up the cart and having it there and then I'll walk away Wow! and you know I'm like today's not a no spend day but tomorrow I'll click on and see what I think and most of the times I don't come back and a lot of people are like you have to be really organized for them but true having no spend days I've had to ask myself what really makes me feel happy and asking like simple questions like what does money mean to you you know um because when you break it down a lot of people and I know for me it doesn't mean having 
a new wardrobe it doesn't mean it means security you know freedom to do what I like being able to put my my kids into whatever groups that they're interested in and nurturing their their um I'm losing my my trail of thoughts and nurturing you know what they want from life my values are very aligned and the more I go into that it's the more that I can see marketing for what it is somewhat I can see you know I will buy a new pair I will buy lipstick because I love how it makes my lips look but I won't ever buy lipstick or makeup again because I'm trying to hide and I've done that for so for so long but I also know that I have enough you know I have my favorite lipstick it's doing me well I love it on me I bought it because I saved for it and it felt really good to have it. And the person that I bought it off, it was a woman and I was supporting her build business. And it was just so much joy around spending now. But I don't need to tap into that every time she has a new product. Yes. You know? When you first started to um, crawl out of the, the debt hole, yeah. imagine, you know, there's initial, okay, while yes, you, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm on this journey now. I'm going to, I'm going to get there. Is there a lot of anxiety in that initial, you know, withdrawal symptom of, I can't scratch this itch. I, you know, I can almost imagine like just feeling like physically overwhelmed that you can't, or that yeah. you're trying not to, was there, did it get worse before it got better? It did because what happens when you are starting to pay your debt, you end up mourning your own, your own life. Okay. So I was like mourning and then I'm in the whole, I was in the whole motherhood, you know, I was only new to motherhood as well. The babies were really young and I was mourning the going out on sessions, you know, I was mourning just buying whatever I wanted. Now it wasn't even just, because I couldn't, it was because I was making a conscious decision not to. And there was points where I was like, why is this even worth it? <laughs> like, I just want to buy something, especially when I cleared my first debt and you had a little bit of leeway. I can do like, I have an extra 30 or 100 euro in my account. Like, do I need to put that off another debt or can I just go and, you know, buy that pair of shoes that I really love? and I think what I really had to tap into and I know a lot of people say it, and I know I'm coaching it's the biggest thing but you have to have an emotional attachment to why you're doing it and that is your why um, and what, what what was was my children you know I just did not think that they deserved that it was my job to be you know the nurturer like I I would say that Um, and it was my job to look after them and guard them and protect them. And that was what, you know, that was what my role was. And I, they deserve that. They absolutely deserve it. And they had no choice. So I had to make a decision to do that. And that was the only anchor that was keeping me from going back. Nothing was bigger than that. And how did you figure out then all of the, whether it's a no spend day, that the different things that you do, the techniques that you recommend for other people to do, did you just figure that all out on your own or did you get advice or was it trial and error? It was trial and error. Um, the no spend days did not take on, like I saw this lady in America doing, she was like, she was actually just talking in a video. This was just a random um, vlog that I saw. She was like, I'm having a no spend day. 
And I was like, what is that? You know? And then I was like, I didn't, no one was like, it wasn't big. I don't think it was even, no one was even talking about it in the US. It was just one woman and it was like a thing, but it wasn't a big thing. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to try and practice that. And then I was like, oh Jesus, no spending. That's now that's consciously not spending. That's another thing I have to consciously think about, but it was the best thing I ever did in the long term to keep at it because I was consciously when you're consciously not spending then you consciously spend okay. you know then everything was following suit like I was like okay I'm not I was realizing what my conscious spend was and even though I did my tracking and I was tracking my spending it wasn't hitting home it was like yeah I bought a coffee there I did that I did that but then I was realizing like how was the coffee feeling? Where were you buying coffee? Okay, I dropped the kids off to the minder. And then on on the way in, I would just go and get a coffee and a muffin. And even though I'm trying to budget and I wouldn't get that that much, I'm really adding up like what value is that doing to me? I could just get a coffee mug, make a coffee, bring it. And I know that's really, you know, that's something that is widespread and everybody should know it. But when you really connect the dots and go, like I'd rather buy a coffee on a Friday and look forward to a treat. And it was tapping into me childhood where you look forward to different things. And now it was, everything is just so easily accessible that I wasn't getting joy in having a nice coffee. Now, for the most part, there's a guy um, down the road He and he has a coffee van. I know them. I like the feeling of going and buying a coffee. How are you? How's the kids? All great today. Instead of just going up to somewhere and they, they, they'll they ask your name, spell it wrong, and they don't care whether it's your name or not. And, you know, and anyway, I could get political with this, but um, it's really making me look at my values and go, okay, I'm pumping money back into my local community yeah. and it feels good. And I feel seen just by being here and I'm getting this connection with my community. So, and the no spend days were making me think like, where am I going to spend when I'm having a spend day? Where do I want to spend my money? So it wasn't a case of I mean, I feel like if I was to say, okay, no spend today, I'm like, that means you can go nuts tomorrow. <laughs> and what you've, in your experience, it made you be then more, well, now that I can spend, I want to be careful about what I spend. I want to make sure yeah. this is what I want. So like consciously not spending helps you spend consciously. I love that. Yeah. And also something that like you were saying, like I'd go mad. What I did was I had this guilt. I created this this guilt over me spending because I was looking back at all my bad behaviors with the no spend day like people hear me talk about cash envelopes and stuff I had to give myself a cash envelope where it was mommy fund it was Santa Sagaro she can spend whatever she wants so I had a guilt-free um, fund and I have my cash envelope but I also have a vault with money in there as well where it's if you do see something that you want and you, you like it, you can have it. But and do you delay that? Like if you see something you want, how do you know it's not an impulse purchase? Do you do any of the kind of delay? I do delay it. Yeah, 
I do think like if it's going to be, I don't get, you know, I don't got, get the fear of missing out. I, I understand the marketing tricks as well behind the, you need to get it now. You need to get that right now or you're going to miss out. It's 50% for this time only. You know, I know all the tricks and I understand them. And that's that's the, the psychology behind it. You have to understand that if you're a consumer, someone's job is to make you consume. So you need to understand that job as much as you need to understand you know, what your journey as well. So I would always delay and think about it. And for the most part, things that I've bought that way are the things that I really love. And I like actually loving stuff that I wear. I mostly wear, um, I don't wear a lot of fast fashion now. I don't. Um, and I make a point of any event that I go to or like, this is what I am, you know, because I really think seeing is being for everybody. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I guess there's a lot of financial advice out there, but what for you was something you discovered that you thought actually not enough people do this or know this? What, what made What made your journey different that went into the Money Mentor book? I, for me, I was, I know this sounds crazy, but I was sick of seeing people talking down to me. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't sound crazy. No, I was sick of seeing people talking down to me that would not have a notion about my lived experience. Yeah. And there was no connection. And I'd feel that if I was in a room with them, I would almost be apologizing and explain, explaining with explaining my existence really and my habits around money and I felt that at that time I didn't need that and I felt what I feel is has been really important in my journey 
is listening to other people in similar environments like myself go through it and really making me feel that I have Hmm. almost encouraging me and validating my journey for myself so one of the biggest things that I feel that no one is talking about is how much there is actually a lack of literacy around finances financial wellness the financial traumas that so many of us are going through right now um, and even if we uh, unburden and we atone for what we've done, you still live with those mistakes. And a lot of people, I know so many people that they just can't forgive themselves. But it's almost that they're in a world of that doesn't forgive them because we there's such a big shame around money. So they don't get the. They don't get the opportunity to actually truly um share and open up about it because everybody has an opinion of how you should do it. So I think that was something that we don't talk about. It's the emotional aspect of it. I really feel that you can tell me the figures, I will do it, but you need to tell me why I'm here in the first place. And nobody just spends money randomly or try to keep up with their neighbors or try and do all that because they just want it there's a reason behind it and I guess no one really asked what that is how did I get here how do you think it would make you feel if you won the lottery that's a good question um I think so at the start of my journey I would have said money doesn't mean anything to me that's why I spent it that whatever but if I won the lottery it would make me feel great I have no I have no um qualms with earning money but I think that I would still spend money in alignment with my values I think I do a lot of good with it because I feel that's what I try to do in general and I think that now that I have the education around how to manage my money I know where to go to ask for help if I if I got a big sum like that I think I would actually feel joyful because I know now my relationship with money is so different I know that the power that you can have with having extra money and the people you can help and the projects that you can start like I would feel yeah I'd feel delighted but it's a great question before you get your financial ducks in a row you kind of have to get your values in a row if you're in Egypt with money, without money, you'd be in Egypt with money, you know? So it's like that with your value. If you have low values without money, you're going to still have low, you know, you're going to still have low values with money. If you have a low self-worth, it'd be the same. It's just anything that we've learned about ourselves and our brains, money is just a tool for us to show that. That's yeah. all it is. What are some of your favorite tools and tips and tricks that you feature in the book that you think people can adopt you know today right away as, as soon as they listen that they might try I love doing a money NCT um a money NCT is where you're you're doing a deep dive into what's going on with regards to your finances what's going on in your account and you're looking at financial planning as well 
a lot of times we think that financial planning, you have to go to a financial planner, but I think that every before you go, there's a pre-financial plan. And I think that everybody should be on that, like right now. Um, where do you see yourself in five years financially? What do you want? A lot of us are stuck and we're out and we're renting or, you know, we're going through, but we don't have a serious financial plan. And when you ask people, you know, I've been renting for 10 years, I've been doing that. But what what plans do you have in place to get out? Because you hear a turnaround and you hear somebody go, okay, it's two years later, I actually have a house now. Mm-hmm. As soon as you have a plan in place, you have, you can put energy towards that purpose. And I feel that if there was something that I can tell myself 20 years ago, you know, where like just roughly, would you like a house? Are you planning for kids? Would you love traveling? You know, like just rough things because a lot of the things, once you deep dive into that, it, it's almost like you have a roadmap of where you're going with your money. And yeah, you can go large and you can spend large, but you understand then I'll put a little bit aside for that in the future. And I feel that's just a simple thing. Then you can go and get advice externally of where do you want to invest, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think that getting a financial plan, and I think that for couples as well, um, that's something that I've never done with a partner. We were just like, yeah, living the life. But I think a lot of couples, it's, um, you know, 40% of divorces end around financial, you know, disputes. So it's something that is really happening. Um. I think if you're together and you're aligned in such an important aspect as money, I think that would save a lot. But I do think that a financial plan is something that I would do. And a money NCT is really you checking in and seeing if you are practicing what you for what you want. So say you're, you know, you've got your kids, you've got whether you're on your own or you've got a partner, you've got your income and you're just about covering the rent, you're just about covering the childcare costs and then, you know, your your bills and your shop, your food shop, whatever. Even with a plan, like how how yeah. does how can someone hope in that when they're that stretched financially to go from that to having a house? Like it just seems it just seems so impossible that it's all that I can imagine that you get to a mental place where you're just like don't even want to look forward yeah but if you don't look forward then you might you're not going to go any further than where you are so I really that's my mindset I do feel that if you, you could stay stuck and stay in this cycle or you can look for a little bit of light but um for example right now so I paid off I'll use myself an exa- as an example so I paid off all my debt I more or less changed careers somewhat and I am at the position where I have a mortgage, it's high, I'm a single income household and I want to buy because I want to leave. I'm looking at, okay, and when I look at my budget, I look at my outgoings and I'm thinking my mortgage, my my needs, my mortgage, my food, my um, utilities, my transport, they take up 75% of my income right now. What do I need to do? So I'm like, the biggest move is my mortgage. I love my neighbors. I love where I live. But I'm thinking location is not working for me right now. I can't afford to live in Dublin. Mm -hmm. This is not manifesting. It's not making me, you know, this is not crazy thinking. It's not, you know, it's not, um, it's me looking at the figures and looking at my plan. And my plan is 
I'm in a two bedroom apartment. I have a boy and a girl. Soon we're going to have to separate them anyway. The choices have been taken away from me with time. What do I do? I have to look at all the variables. I need to look at location. And sometimes it's a hard, it's a hard, you know, my mom and dad, they live in Dublin. My brothers live in Dublin. My sister lives in Dublin. I might just have to move out. And I know a lot of people, you have to, you have to think of all of everything. And sometimes you can't, and I can't, I'm not saying to go into the sticks, you know, and literally live in the middle of nowhere and not have all the access that you have. But I have to look and think, can I sustain paying this mortgage and this rent long-term? I can't, I'm not going to, you know, although I'm hustling and I'm working on this and I'm bringing in different streams of income, I have to look at me outgoings and I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, okay, I need to move, change location. That's a variable that I need to, you know, I so happen to be somebody who loves being on their own uh, somewhat. And I'm looking at my lifestyle. I'm like, you know what, no matter where you are, you're still going to kind of incubate yourself. So maybe you could look at looking two to three hours, two hours outside of Dublin. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you're trapped right now, you have to look at everything. And that's why you have to do a money NCT and watch where your money is going. And can you sustain that if you can't afford your rent all the time? And this is real talk. I know it's not what a lot of us need to hear right now, but it's 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 practical. Yeah. You know, if you can't afford to live where you're living, I get it. We have families and we have roots in certain locations, but sometimes you really have to have to move out. So you have to have the difficult conversation with yourself or with the people that matter to you to figure out so something's got to give if you're if you're feeling stuck in that situation I do feel that and I feel that um and me I'm working on different streams of income I'm I'm pushing myself I'm being uncomfortable I'm growing and I could still be here in a darkness thinking okay I can't I can't pay my rent I can't my mortgage I can't pay you know, the bills are coming in. You know, I'm looking at the the price of electricity again. I'm looking at the food prices. Or I could think of my exit plan. And that's the way I think personally. Mm-hmm. And I think most people should be thinking like that. Because when you think like that, then the solutions start coming. I did you know? an episode recently around um, career change anxiety. And yeah. what came up again and again was you know, we, yes, we have all these ideas and things that we think we'd like to do or avenues we'd like to pursue. And the biggest roadblock was, well, I can't, like, I can't risk the financial risk of doing that. And you obviously did change your career um, along the way there. You, you now you're in this space of, of being the money mentor and it's, it's amazing. Um, what advice would you have for people who, again, are looking at, things saying well I practically I can't afford to go back and study or I can't you know I can't risk it not working out because I've got kids to raise and I've got mortgage and bills to pay I would say get yourself an emergency fund of some sort I think that if you really want to change if you really want to change careers get some sort of a buffer I know it is it might sound like oh well I the reason why I want it I can't change is because you know, it's financial. Well, that's a reason now to be putting a little bit of money away, get three to six months wages up, 
you know, to cover your expenses. So you have that breathing room to to change. Also, I would say, I always think before you move, you, you should always look at the company you're with in a different light. You don't always have to move out to move up, you know? So you could be like a lot of companies, a lot of business. I, I didn't even notice when I was in the bookies, like there were so many training schemes and stuff that you could, while you're there, you could be acquiring a wealth of knowledge and skills that will sit well in your CV. And I always think that it's almost like a, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting out plan. You know, it's, I'm getting out. If I have to work extra, if I have to do this, I understand because I know that I am building myself a buffer that I'll be able to get out. And while you're doing that, you're upskilling as well. There's so many free courses and stuff that you could be doing. I always think that it's not like it was, you know, when my mom was younger. We have such an opportunity to so much learning tools. The internet is there. You know, there's so much there for us. And it does take a bit of balls as well. But I think that's on your mindset. Possibly for me, it was my mindset. I had my emergency fund as well. So I already knew that worst thing, worst came to the worst. I'll have a job. Um, I'll have a job and I'll have a bit of a buffer that will last me a few, a few months, you know, and we'll be okay. I wanted to ask you about a, a phrase I don't know if you've come across called financial dysmorphia. And it's really interesting to me because when we talk about financial anxiety, you know, the idea is that when you have your your debts paid off or if you've got enough coming in that that anxiety evaporates. But for some people, you know, we get obsessive over money and we live with this um, disproportionate worry over money, even when things are okay, even if we have more than enough coming in, you know, surplus to our needs. Um, and we can be waking up at night panicking. And maybe it's because of a past experience where we didn't feel like we had enough financial security and we we are so terrified to ever be in that situation again. But how do you how do you have a relationship with with money if you come out the other side of it where it's not dominating, you're not being obsessive and you're not being debilitated by the anxiety that is no longer necessarily afflicting your day to day. I think um, in the book, I wrote um, a chapter around the psychology of money and the different money personalities that we have. So that kind of taps into the dysmorphia there. And I'm my, my, my money personality. When I started out, I was a hardcore spender. Um, I'm a spender saver now. Um, really what you want to be is a little bit of everything and you have, and it really does come back to, you know, your early childhood environment and you being the sponge taking in everything that was around you. Um, whether your house, where you grew up, you know, in poverty or in lack, or you grew up where money wasn't a big deal. So you just don't have those insecurities around it. You never really just when I paid off my debt I thought this was it after learning so much about myself I thought wow um I'm good with money now you know like this is cool and obviously I talk about it so it plays it plays a huge part in my life but in a personal sense it doesn't take over me because I have constantly done the work to understand why was I always a spender? I listened to conversations, you know, I'm listening to my blueprint, you know, my parents, I listen to them now. 
And what's weird is I actually hear as I went, I was diving into my own personalities and understanding, I was remembering conversations that are around. So sometimes even though you have climbed Mount Everest with regards to paying off debt and changing your relationship with money, it could be the case that you have to really, you really have to do the work emotionally so you can separate that because you know the whole the whole saying your self-worth is not your net worth it's a real thing and it's a real thing depending on who you are so even when I know someone say oh that person is tight with money I automatically think oh okay I don't think that they're tight I think well if you go back I bet you there was you know there was influences there where or there was situations there where they had serious trauma and financial trauma around money and they look at money now as a safety tool whatever way it manifests whatever kind of anxiety it is it so often just goes back to this need for control and obviously when you feel out of financial control you feel anxious and it makes so much sense and but when you do get that control then you have to hold on to it you have to hold on to it but then you have to have I think it's having tools like for me it's having, you know, an emergency fund in place. That's a level of control where I can, it gives me security. What's adequate enough for an emergency fund? Is it for an emergency if the dishwasher breaks down or you have hospital bills? How do you, def- how do you define it for yourself? An emergency fund is an unexpected expense. So, and I kind of have them in different categories. So I have like big emergency funds um, in the sense that, okay, I'm a single income household, so I always would have a higher emergency fund than most people because I know that if something happens to me, you know, our streams of income is going to be impacted majorly. So my emergency fund would always be six months. I always think six months and I always build on that. And I know it's it's probably going back to this morphia there where I'm literally going, I always try and build on that, but it's six months of expenses within my home. And also, and then I have maybe I'll put another two or three grand on top of that for just in case something goes wrong outside of my control. Then I have insurance. I always, you know, I have my house insurance. I have my car insurance. I have all of that always paid and always probably organized for a year ahead. That gives me security. And I think you have to look at the tools, but that's what an emergency fund is. It's not, you don't touch it. It's not there for you to go, oh my God, there's a wedding. I didn't realize that I'm going to go, I have to get a new outfit or I have to have money. That's not an emergency. An emergency is something that really impacts your life, you know, (laughs) fundamentally that you're literally going, okay, damn. Before I let you go, um, I would just love to to give you a chance to share, I suppose, your your new financial philosophy or something to leave the listener with to to think about when it comes to financial anxiety. I think most importantly, what I'd like to say is a learning lesson that I've learned through it all and being where, where I am right now is you need to understand your blueprint. You need to understand that You were born whole, you know, and the world impacts you. And that's just the way it is. But you can literally reprogram yourself from wherever you are right now, whether you're the single mother at home, you know, with the high outgoings, the high expenses and wanting a little bit more. You really can change that. 
you have to reprogram. You have to understand how you view yourself and how you view money. Ask yourself what money means to you and seriously ask that and write it down. You know, it's not when you, when you, and you'll, you'll probably be provoked somewhat by the answers and that should be um, underpinned by with your why for getting anywhere further. With regards to financial anxiety, you have to fix, sometimes you have to fix the numbers. You know, you have to look at the numbers straight on. And that was one of the biggest things that I didn't do. I buried myself. I hid. Although I was firefighting all the time, I still did not want to face where the source was coming from. I didn't know how much I actually owed. Face it head on. Have a look because half of the time, what you think in your head and what you see on a piece of paper is totally different and it's almost reassuring. You know, I thought I owed 30 grand when I wrote it down. That was 15 grand out of my head. It was doable then, yeah. you know, um, and change your environment. If your environment is not working, what happens is now my brothers and all are taking advice from me in the sense through my journey mm -hmm. but they thought I was mad they thought I'd change I was a totally different person on like follow your own journey when you have your values when you understand what money means to you and you understand the importance of you know correcting that and reprogramming your mindset around that you understand that it is your journey journey, and it is singular. And once you're, you're aligned and once you're, you know, you're not harming anybody by trying to fix things for yourself, your, your environment, they'll either run or they'll kind of, they'll, they'll grudgingly appreciate what you're doing. There's always groups out there. There's, if there's a, something that you're worried about, there's a group there to help you. There's a community there for everybody, debt-free community, financial independence community. There's always something there for you. So what I would say is, even though you feel a sense of anxiety right now, get it out of your head, get it on paper, change your environment, you know, and follow your own journey because everything falls into place and get a financial plan. Know what you want from life and don't be afraid to ask because, the world, sometimes the world tells you, I know if I listen to the news every day, that I, I had to stop that because of anxiety. You know, I can't let everybody tell me what I can and what I can't have. Everybody told me I wasn't going to pay off my debts, you know, and the programming that I had was I was always going to be a spender. I was always going to be bad with money until I shut that off and found my own environment. Wow. Santa Sagara, thank you so much for um, being so kind with your with your vulnerability and for sharing, you know, your story. Because um, I think it's a breath of fresh air that we we hear financial advice from these finance whiz kids who are probably millionaires, and you know, they probably take the emotional side of it um, a little bit out of out of the picture, which is, you know. I think money and emotion go hand in hand, um, which I've, you know, has come across, I think, in, in our chat here. Um, the book, The Money Mentor, is widely available. available widely available in any good bookstore and um, recorded by me and Audible. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access a full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.